0: And the cheese sticks and the Southern Level Podcast is back at you for another week of Eagles preseason football. A heartbreaking or frustrating—you could use probably fifty different words to describe the Phillies' week—but also got some small little flyers news to discuss today. Austin uh, shouldn't be a terribly long podcast since it's been a rather uneventful week. Uh, but uh, before we get into that. Uh, how you been since last episode? Any general thoughts? I
1: I, I will say I'm a little upset, Dylan. Um, my dark horse to make the roster carry on Johnson did get cut. Um, he a lot of people were excited about him. Even the Eagles signing him, he showed a lot of promise with the Lions. It just sucks that uh, his, his knees can't stay healthy. Also, Dylan, we have to specifically us. We have to give a big shout out to Craig Reynolds. Kutztown alum who not only week one had a 40-yard touchdown, but then follows it up this week with a five carries, 27 yards, and a touchdown? I mean, the dude's bounced around a little bit, but KU represent.
0: Yeah, it was great to see Craig Reynolds uh, perform with the Lions so far uh, this offseason. Uh, not off season, this uh, training camp with how he's done. Uh, it's very rare, rare that a guy from Kutztown is in the nfl uh, and it's somebody that was there when we were in school which is awesome uh he's actually one of two players during our career our time at could sound to end up in the nfl which is also uh awesome but uh yeah it's great to see how craig's performing uh this uh training camp and i don't know if he's going to make uh, the lions roster or if he's going to stay with the lions but he's performing well enough that he should be able to continue bouncing around the league and
1: hey he's leaving he's living the dream right yeah, he's at and he's at least putting out like good tape. You know, like yeah. he I think signed with the Washington football team as a unrestricted or undrafted free agent. Mm-hmm. And I think he was okay in the preseason and they kept him on the practice squad. Here now, this gives him like one of those like third running back, fourth running back tape, you know, like just enough to put him on the roster. Now he killed it at Kutztown and in uh division two football. I just, I hope he's able to uh, you know sustain it in the NFL. But uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on the carry on cut?
0: Ah, uh, yeah, I mean that's well, a little disappointing. I know that was like you said, your uh, your not bold prediction. He's not nec- Yeah,
1: I was gonna say he's not necessarily a dark horse. It was it was a fantasy dynasty uh, love. Yeah,
0: he, he was just uh, he was he was that guy you were ruined for. Yeah, I mean it's. I was hoping – I thought he, when they originally got him that he would have been a player that, hey, you come in here and provide some valuable snaps, but didn't work out uh, with the injuries and all, so uh, it, on that end, it sucks, but it is what it is. And, I mean, we'll get in more into the Eagles, but uh, talking about things that we weren't probably originally expecting this uh, this training camp while going into it is that the fact that we're entering – Week three, the final preseason game this week, and uh, Travis Fogum and Greg Ward are two guys who are on the uh, proverbial bubble in terms of potentially being cut. Uh, those are two guys you thought were going to be on this roster most definitely. Uh, and I would I wouldn't I would be shocked if both are gone, but uh, the fact that one of them is possibly gone uh, at the end of this training camp is, is a bit shocking when you th- think about where we were just a couple months ago talking about them.
1: Yeah, I. It's. From what I've heard, it's not necessarily that Travis Fulgham hasn't done anything. He just hasn't, like, stood out. Yeah. But he also hasn't sucked. So, at, you know, at a certain point, it's kind of like he's doing fine, I guess. But I still think John Hightower is the one who gets cut out of everybody. And, um,. I think Quez and maybe JJ or Whiteside somehow makes a team. I, I mm-hmm. it'll baffle me. From what I've heard, is he'll make like three plays and then all of a sudden he'll make two bad plays. So yeah, w- we'll see. But um, before we get into the the Eagles preseason game, I guess uh, the Flyers did did resign and avoid arbitration with Travis Sanheim. I believe it was what two years, 4.5 million.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a nice little contract there for Travis sign, San, like you said, uh, he's getting four point six seven five uh, million. Okay, five uh, million the two years. Um, yeah, it's a nice little bridge deal that gets him to free agency in 2023, 2024. But at the same time, that is quite a bit of money for a guy who is coming off a, uh, a poor season and, I think that's the only way you can really look at it is that it was a poor season last year and now between uh rasmus ristolainen and travis sanheim you have uh yeah uh, over 10 million locked up and be- those two defensemen who you're relying on heavily come to bounce back from ba- bad seasons in 2020 2021 to be impact players this upcoming season as your second parent.
1: Yeah. And unfortunately too, Rasmus, I believe has what he, he needs to be resigned after this year. Yeah. Depending on how he plays, obviously. But, um,
0: I I think it's important. His cap at this year is 5.4 million.
1: Yeah. I mean, for, for a bridge deal, it's kind of scary, you know, like Carter didn't really, I mean, Carter's is what four mil per year. Yeah. I mean his is even a slightly less. So but his was long term. Um I just I I think it's really important they solidify this second line defense. We'll see how it goes with Rasmus, but it, it's hard because Travis he didn't necessarily have a great year. But you, you almost have no choice but to give it to him. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, you're kind of like, I guess we have to give it to him. I mean, he he is a, an above average, I think, offensive defenseman. Yeah. You just would have liked to see more from him last year, him and Phil Myers and just the team as a whole.
0: Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree with you there. Uh, and. Yeah, I also really agree with that. It, it, it is a scary number because that that is a lot of money to put in a guy. It's a, it's a lot of money, and it shows a lot of faith in a guy who has the potential to be really good, but he has yet to show that consistency needed to be a top four defenseman at the NHL level, in my opinion. We'll see how it goes this year. Uh, but the other thing to know with this is the contract kind of puts the flyers at a disadvantage in the aspect that now they only have two hundred and eighty one thousand uh in cap space according to cap friendly left heading into the season, and they're only at twenty two roster spots um, and forty nine contracts at a whole. So I mean they have the ability to add one more guy in there, but at that price, you're you really i mean at that dollar amount left, you really have no options unless you go out and move somebody still. Uh, so you're going to be playing with 22 guys this year. And I know not every team carries 23, but uh, when you're in the middle of a season where there's injuries and such, having that 23rd man can end up being having quite the impact. So that's a little concerning, but we'll have to wait and see what happens.
1: Yeah, it's, it's kind of weird how they managed the cap this year. 22 is kind of... You know, you'd like to have them have like a full roster, but like you said, we don't we just don't have the cap space. And we had the we had some, but you know, we had to re- sign our two probably biggest restricted free agents and we went out, got the defense better. So I think this team should be better overall, but like you said, I mean having one guy short, you know, that could be a difference between rotating some a guy in who needs either rest or just isn't playing well. Yeah and even and i get that last spot is going to be a guy like Lazinski boneman but i mean depending on the matchup it could make a difference
0: I absolutely can and it'll be something that we uh we'll have to watch closely heading into this season uh but let's move on i guess to the phillies here uh so when we last had our podcast the phillies i think were tied for the division uh Last Sunday. And since then, uh, as of right now, which as we record this, the Phillies are in the middle of a game with the San Diego Padres up 7 1 um, and are three outs away from taking a series, which is, I don't want to say impressive since the Padres are also slumping, but it's something. It's typical
1: Phillies, though. Or it's typical, correction. It is typical Philadelphia sports. They play to their competition. Absolutely.
0: That being said, I. It's just you, like I said, when we last recorded, they were tied for the the division lead. And they needed to so badly take care of business against Arizona. And I have to say, I think over the last 10 years, there's been a lot of low moments in Phillies baseball uh, since they last made the playoffs. A lot of bad series in there. But considering the circumstances, who they were playing, uh, the talent on this roster, I think them getting swept by Arizona this past week was potentially the worst series, well, worst series the Phillies have played over in the last decade. I mean, I mean, and I know I told you I was going to go on a little bit of a rant, and I've since calmed down from uh, Saturday <laughs> night's loss to the Padres. But I mean. To a point, like what are we? By we, I mean the Phillies, obviously. But like, what are we doing at this point? Like, ten—it's been ten years since this team has made the playoffs. Ten years since Philadelphia has experienced a Red October, and it's almost been ten years since we've been in this spot where the Phillies are actually playing in meaningful baseball in August, and we're actually caring about a baseball team in August. But same point—you're coming off that series sweep of the Mets. Your biggest series win potentially of the last decade. And you go out and then you fumble fumble the ball against the Dodgers and Cincinnati, which is fine. They're better baseball teams. But to have that carry over into that series against Arizona and get swept by one of the worst teams in baseball is just
1: unbelievable and re- ridiculous i mean but and this is how they've been you know like this is just who they are
0: it is it is it, it, and, and that's despite, what sucks and i when they were getting swept by the Dybacks, i told my dad watch them go take two out of three from the padres it's not going to matter because the braves have the orioles this week which they swept the oh. orioles this weekend but I. You have to. We we were saying that the most important thing about going down the stretch was the fact the Phillies had one of the easiest schedules, if not the easiest schedule, remaining in baseball. All they had to do was go out and beat the teams they're supposed to beat. And I, to me, at this point, it's not a roster thing. It's that this team, this organization, has a cultural issue when it comes to their mentality on the field. Their they're caring of the fundamentals of baseball and so on. And so like this team just doesn't care enough from top to bottom about making the, doing what they have to do
1: to win ball games. Good teams find a way. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say you can, and when you, when you're talking about the cultural aspect of it with this team, you can even look at the last few years, every year they get hot for the last probably three years. They got hot at the end of July They stayed hot in the beginning of August. And then when time is here to put it all together and make this run, they implode. They've done it the last three years. Yeah. And and at first it was Gabe Kapler sucks. Then it's Joe Girardi sucks. Now, has Joe Girardi made some frustrating, you know, decisions and Absolutely, you he lost them the game on Saturday. Sure, but they're fund- fundamentally flawed. Number one, as a baseball team, they can't Absolutely. field a ball. These the the upper Providence, you know, Pennsylvania team probably feel can field better at that point. But yeah. I mean, this has happened the last three years. It's a you know, fool me once, shame on me. Fool, fool me, me twice. twice, shame on you. Right, it's it's. It's the whole team. Yeah, I mean,
0: it's and, – and you're you're right, it's the whole team. I mean, we were – all credit to Bryce. He was performing great during that eight-game stretch, and he's still performing really good. I mean, he's still hitting above 290, He has 23 home runs, 52 RBIs. He's done good this series. But in that series, like, we're at the point where – and It's not fair to Bryce, but we're at the point where Bryce needs to play, like needs to hit well almost every two out of four games, and he's done that. But, I mean, he's slumped there a yeah, little but... bit. JT's been a – JT's – I don't want to say it's been a massive disappointment, but JT's been a disappointment this year. He hasn't been the best catcher in baseball. He hasn't been close to it. But, like you said, this team is fundamentally flawed, especially defensively. D.D. D. Gregorius – Bad defensively, Alec Bohm, bad, def- bad
1: defensively. He finally got so sent down the month. I was going to say so bad defensively that they sent him down to AAA and, and to piggyback off of, you know, your, uh, Bryce, it like, it's unfair to him and it, all the spotlights on him because one JT is not playing well, like you said, and two Reese Hoskins hasn't played in almost a month. Yeah. So. Everyone is going, dude. Bryce, you got it. You have to carry the team. You have to carry the team. And mm-hmm. I mean, for you can only do it for so long. Yeah,
0: um, uh, exactly. But but not only is this team f- flawed fundamentally on defense, this team is horribly flawed when it comes to their just overall hidden mentality. I mean, I I don't know if it's. The analytics, and I don't think it is because Joe Girardi isn't an analytical guy, but this team will look at a fastball right down the middle of the plate. And then when they swing at a ball in the dirt on three and two, they wonder why they struck out. You, like, you can't, you have to be aggressive in times like this. You have to, if, you have to. Play, you just have to be play smart baseball. You have to be smart at the plate, smart on the field, smart pitching. I mean, and when this team has runners in scoring position, they, they just forget how to hit. And like you said, it's not this year. It's not last year. It's the last three years. Last. It's the last decade. I mean, it, it starts from ten years ago and it goes today. This team has had a horrible fall fundamentally in terms of their defense, their fielding, their Sorry, yeah, of course, their defense it. They're pitching, they're hitting, Their are organizational management. And it's all, that all has led up to this last two weeks where they've struggled mightily because it's just, these are how, this is how the team's being developed in the minors for those on this team from the minors. And the veterans like that, you're expecting to step up a Didi, a McCutcheon, a... JT have kind of disappeared over the last week or so and and now you got Reese back and you, have, you just have to hope Reese can carry this team with Bryce uh, offensively because the, uh, I'm just going to keep going in circles but like you yeah. said, this team is just horribly fundamental not only poor. that
1: too you, you also just don't know what Aaron Nollier you're going to get each day
0: exactly you, I dude, mean exactly like I for mean, example
1: he he just went Nine he went nine inning, eight and eight and a third or whatever, but two thirds. Eight and two thirds. But um I mean you don't usually get that out of him, especially this year. You haven't really got that out of him. The next start you might not get seven innings. You know, he might get shelled.
0: Yeah, I mean you you truly you truly don't know what you're gonna get. I mean, that start against the Dodgers, he looked fantastic. It got rained out. It got, it got, uh, not rained out, but it got, this is uh, rain delayed in Postponed, the yeah. fourth, fourth inning or whatever. Uh, so, okay. He comes back though later that week against, oh man, who are they facing? Was that Cincinnati? I think it was yeah. Cincinnati, yeah. Or was it Arizona? I forget who they faced, he faced next. But the next time out, he struggled mightily and couldn't really get anybody out and gave up a bunch of runs. And then against the Padres, a very good hidden team. He goes out and has a perfect game through six innings. And if it wasn't for Brad Miller, once again, bad fundamental defense on a routine play. He may have gotten a perfect game or no. Matter. That, that error by Brad Miller throughout, throughout his entire uh, flow of and momentum in that game. And yeah. a run scored in that inning. Yeah, the Phillies got two more. But if that run doesn't score the ninth inning home run by Cronenworth doesn't matter. And the Phillies still have a chance to win. But like in Saturday, it also comes down to not just the players, but the manager whose overall mentality in these games has been flawed. As soon as Aaron Nola walked, the, whoever it was in the ninth inning, Joe Girardi should have pulled in there and went to the ball band to Ian Candy. I know Ian Candy has given up some bombs so far with the Phillies. But Ian Kennedy,
1: him, yeah, him compared to a eight and a, eight and a third, two thirds, Aaron Nola. Yeah.
0: Yeah. When Aaron Nola gave up that home run, it was his 117th pitch, the most he's ever thrown in a game. I mean, I mean, and Joe's cost him a few. I I appreciate
1: it. I mean, I appreciate him, you know, giving him the, the nod. I'm glad you trust him. but But it's just the end of the day
0: and uh, it's probably not a great example because the Padres are going to lose this game but it almost has to be like how the Padres are playing the rest of the year and imagine the Padres played today's game literally making playing the game like it's a playoff game when we're still in middle of August because they have a ton of ground to catch up in the division and if they want to Catch ground in the division and stay up in the wild card, they're going or stay in the wild card race. They're going to have to continue. uh, They're going to have to refine themselves and play well down the stretch. But Joe Girardi needs to start treating every single game like a postseason game. That means if your pitcher, if your starting pitcher gets in trouble, unless it's Zach Wheeler,
1: I think you. I was going to say at this point, he's kind of rode Jeter and A Rod. You know, the thing is, he kind of rode those those two to his world series
0: and and, i mean and it's it's a fair it's a fair point and i absolutely agree uh but i mean at this point joe girardi has to treat every game like a playoff game making i mean you just you can't allow certain players who they're struggling to stay out there i mean like yeah he pulled mccutcheon today for not pulled, but he had he didn't have McCutcheon in today's lineup. McCutcheon yesterday went 0 for 5 with five strikeouts. He he had a platinum sombrero. That's impressive. I was gonna say that's impressive. One of the few times you will ever see that. And McCutcheon shouldn't be in the lineup after that. It's you have you have to coach or manage these games like playoff games. And at this point, it's not a series by series matter. It's not a a game by game, it's not an inning by inning matter anymore. The Phillies are at the point where they're so far back in the division, and while they have a chance in the wild card, they have to legitimately play this pitch by pitch. They they can't yeah. look forward to, oh hey, we have uh, the the team the opposing team has the bottom of their order up next in. so yeah. let's try to get let's try to get whomever through this inning, and maybe we can get them through next. No, you have to you have to no. play it yeah. as it goes. I mean, you can't force things out there anymore. You have to mm-hmm. react to your gut. I know with relievers, it's tough now with the three-battle rule. But, I mean, if you have a reliever out there uh, who the first two men yeah. get on, even if he gets that third out, you have to be considering pulling him after that guy. And I know, yeah, in circumstances, if you're down eight runs in the fourth, Fit six in, yeah maybe you can play a little more conservative then because you have to you have to think future but at the same time i mean you gotta really manage smart over the next month yeah. and a half and you gotta play smart that's my right. yeah
1: yeah i mean you you summed it up uh pretty well i mean i i've just kind of had this mentality with this team so far this year that uh I have zero expectations. You know, I didn't really going into the year. Highest expectation was about five wins over five hundred, and they're playing five hundred baseball. One week they'll play, win eight yep. games. The next week, you know they they lose five. You know, it's just this team isn't good enough. It's not coached well enough. And I mean, like you said, they're fundamentally flawed mentality wise they're flawed it's just
0: and, and the last thing i'll say on the phillies and we can get, then get into the eagles because there's not much else to say about the phillies this year is it, if there's any chance they're going to get back in this race it's going to happen this week if it doesn't happen this week it's or the next two weeks it's it's over unfortunately for the phillies they have to start this next two week stretch with the tampa bay rays which That's, I mean, that's a seriously tough matchup right there. And I won't be shocked if they lose both. But the Braves, on the other hand, have the Yankees, uh, Dodgers, and Giants over the next week and a half or so. Uh, If the Phillies are going to make up room, it's going to be right here because the Braves' schedule is not that hard after this. And if the last week, two weeks of the Braves' season has been any indication, that team has really turned a corner and is playing their best baseball of the season at the right time. While the Phillies are trying to survive, they're treading the, water. They're treading water and try not to have another complete August collapse.
1: Yeah, and I mean, just the way it looks, it appears as though that's the way they're trending. Is the boat's on fire and everybody's, you know, panicking, running around trying to find the life the life vests. But um moving on to a team that people seem genuinely excited about and not scared to death it is the Philadelphia Eagles they had a preseason game against the New England Patriots they chalked up a fat zero losing 35 nothing Jalen Hurts <laughs> Jalen Hurts uh did not play due to illness he was sent to the hospital he did not test positive for covid Nick Sirianni says he is okay. Um, a lot of the starters did not play, like at all. Yeah, especially this, the offensive line.
0: This felt like a. Uh, this kind of felt like a, a fourth game of the preseason type game for the Eagles. Of uh, well, what was a week four preseason game? Well, it would have been a week four preseason game in the past. I should say. Uh, yeah, I. I'm not gonna take much away from this. I know a lot of people online were you know overreacting. They weren't happy so, okay. with
1: Joe Flacco, yeah.
0: But yeah, and I mean, and here's the thing, I I, and I think we know this. If if it comes down to Joe Flacco's playing quarterback for the Eagles, I mean, the season's already toast <laughs> and at that point you're tanking basically for a high first round pick, which if that's what happens. It is what it is this year. If you're gonna do it, do it the year, you have three first round picks.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. Which, I mean, by was, the way,
1: that one pick is still uh, with the news today that Carson Wentz is uh, it's looking alive. good to go on Monday. Yeah, the the hope that that second round pick is a first round pick is still alive. By the way, but God, yeah,
0: it's alive, which is, which is great to see, and it's it's a uh, it's a little boost to morale for Eagles fans. But I, the biggest takeaway for me long term from this the performance against the Patriots was that depth is going to be a serious issue throughout this team. I mean, if this team goes down with the injury bug, like it has for the last what two, three years, it's going to be a long, it's already going to be a long season. But if, if the injury bug strikes again, I mean, this team may very well hit the under on wins. And I'm not sure where the over under really sits with Eagles right now, but I'm sure it's not more than six and a half games or so.
1: Uh, I believe it, yeah, it's like six and a half, seven and a half. Around yeah, there. I
0: mean, if it comes down to, if injuries strike again, this team's going to hit the under. But yeah, I mean, for me, the biggest takeaway was that the depth is a, a major concern on this team, um, really everywhere.
1: Yeah, I do want to point out, too, because a lot of people were freaking out how bad the defense looked and, and the offense as well. The Patriots were playing all of their starters. They were, I, they were. I do want to point that out. Because we were playing our entire backup defensive line. I don't even know if Darius Slay played. I don't think he did. I mean, Fletcher didn't play. Brandon Graham didn't play. And then when it comes to your offensive line, you had Brett Toth out there. You know, like, yes, the Patriots dominated the Eagles, as the score shows. I mean, in a preseason game, 35 nothing's kind of horrendous. But... I think we need to calm down, you know. And that boat that I was just talking about with the Phillies, we're not there yet with the Eagles. Um, exactly. Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco did miss a couple throws. You would have liked to see him hit. Yeah, it, it wasn't a pretty performance. No, but he, like you said, he's the second string. J- Jalen Hurts is obviously the number one quarterback on this team. The, yeah, they have a, the players have already. Him. Yeah, but we all the pl- know him the players already are buying into Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was gonna play if he didn't get sick. So you don't have to worry about Joe Flacco. Now, the main guy everyone, you know, is talking about or was talking about was DeVonta Smith's debut. I thought he had a pretty good debut. There was um probably one that I thought he should have had, which was the one that Flacco threw a little late. It it did hit him in the chest. You know he got hit as he made contact with the ball to catch it. It came yeah. out. You would have liked him to hang on to that ball, but the biggest takeaway I had from him was his route running. I mean, he was leaving everybody on skates that he lined yeah, up for, against.
0: For a guy who doesn't have true elite, uh, I don't want to say elite speed, but he's not. He's not. He's not going to be the fastest guy in terms of change of direction. He was making. Really good separation on those defensive backs, and it was impressive, especially when you talk about it happening at the NFL level. Whether it is starters or backups, they're still NFL players out there. So I was impressed by him. Uh, sure, he had a couple catches. I think one. I think he may have dropped one pass, or could have had two receptions there. Yeah, the one,
1: reception. the one was the back shoulder that Joe Flacco threw, which would have been yeah. nice to see him catch, but that would have been a hard hard catch for him to catch and
0: at the same time i mean you look across the, the league and uh, jamar, jamar chase Ch- have what four drops <laughs> this week yeah, yeah.
1: which I ironically mean, it was nice to see everyone uh i mean it's not nice to see people trash a guy you know but i mean for once like i went on twitter after devonta you know played and not a single person was saying oh Devonta, here we go, another eagle with the drops. Yeah. It was all, holy crap, this guy can route run.
0: Yeah, and, and the Eagles have really lacked a, a true elite uh, route runner over the last few years, and that's what they have in Devonte Smith, thankfully. And, I mean, you don't need tremendous speed to be a great wide receiver. You just need to be a really good route runner, and you need to have consistent and good hands. Devonte Smith has both of that, both those, and that's why he's going to be fine in the NFL long term. Um,
1: does his play I, style remind you of Antonio Brown play style, not ability to a point? Like it, I that's, a, I think it's a quality
0: uh, comparison.
1: I I think cause that's how I see him. It's like the Devonte Adams, a Antonio Brown kind of guys where they're not sure. the biggest guys, but the way they can get off the line of scrimmage and, make the guy miss. That's what makes them special. You know, I mean, if you go look at Devontae Adams, it's all off the line of scrimmage that he gets open. He doesn't even really, I don't think, like he has a route to run, but he, I think, has freedom, a lot of freedom with running routes, and obviously Nick Sirianni said that's what this offense is going to be, a lot of freedom with the receivers, but I mean, he reminds me of a very smooth route runner that's going to be able to use that to I mean, it's going to protect him from taking these big shots, you know, for a small it's absolutely
0: guy. fair. Absolutely fair, uh, I would say. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this uh, I don't think you can take anything away from this week two game, uh, preseason game. And week three, I think I'd like to see – because there's that bye week in between week three and the start of the season. I'd like to see uh, what can uh, – what can these guys do, uh, the starters? Because I think, I think because of that bye week, you have to play your starters for for probably the entire first quarter, uh, maybe mm-hmm. most of the second quarter. I think they have to get some serious reps out there. Um, if you don't want to play Jalen for that whole time, that's fine. Um, but I think a lot I think of starters he have to. I I, I I wouldn't be I wouldn't be opposed to it. Yeah, you risk the chance of injury, but um, I, I I would like to see some serious reps out of this first team offense. Uh, this week against what the Jets.
1: Yeah. And you even saw, I thought Devonta played a lot more than I, than I really thought he was going to play this past week. You know, he played what almost a half, if not a half.
0: Yeah. and, And the other thing to remember this week is I forget what reporter said it, but they said that the general thought for the Eagles was that what they saw in practice against the Patriots that they thought they were performing rather well. And, They'll take winning those practice reps over anything that happens in the preseason game, which I I can understand the mentality to a point, um, but because I guess you're facing first team guys
1: a little bit more in practices. But well, not uh, only that, they're they're also able to pick what kind of scenario these guys are going to run. You know, if there's a specific one on one matchup they want to see, Sirianni can talk to Belichick say. I want Devonta Smith on Stephon Gilmore or whoever it is, J.C. Jackson. You know, they can, okay, they can do that. If they want it red zone, red zone. So I think it gives them more, you know, uh, flexibility as to what scenarios they can run, want to run. And it gives them, I think, more depth into what they these guys can actually do. Uh, the one other guy I do want to say, I think impressed me again is Alex Singleton. Cause that dude, that dude swarms the ball. Oh, I think there was a, like, I think there was one drive. He literally made all three tackles to make it fourth down.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing about the Eagles linebackers. Even in the last few years, they've always had guys who can make plays and are solid NFL guys. But the problem is, is that is that that's all they are, is they're solid NFL guys. <laughs> Alex Singleton is a nice linebacker. He's going to be in the league for quite a while. But at the end of the day, he's, while he is a ball swimmer, he's still going to be the guy who is going to end up allowing a tight end or whomever to get open in the middle of the field. Yeah. And we're all going to complain about him later on in the season. It's I, I like Alex Singleton. Don't make, get me wrong. There's a lot of players on this defense I like as – role players but the problem is is
1: especially so Teams a will take he, advantage
0: exactly they they're good players but when you have them on the field for 60 70 80 snaps a week it's going to backfire and uh yeah i mean okay does any team really get 80 snaps no so for how many what is the average snap count in the nfl i
1: i don't know i did hear a funny stat though that the eagles ran 40 40 some plays against Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh yeah. ran the ball 40 some times on the Eagles. Just okay. ran cool. the ball.
0: According to Google, uh I don't know what this was, but a couple years ago, the average I mean, plays for certain teams range from anywhere from 67 to 84. Yeah. But la- I'm looking at last year's actually. Last year, the league leader was 70, uh, 70, 70 plays with the Chargers. So, I mean, so you're the lowest was 58. So, I mean, yeah, 60 to 70 plays a week. You'd think a guy like Singleton would be out there um, for at least two thirds, if not more, of those snaps. He's going to get picked, picked apart some weeks. Uh, mm. And yeah, but. Uh, I don't get me wrong, I like him, but it, it's just still frustrating. The Eagles don't have a true elite player in the middle of the field. Not he doesn't even be elite, but a, a really good player in the middle of the field. And we thought Jordan Hicks was gonna be that guy, but Jordan Hicks couldn't stay healthy.
1: He could always come back. He, he apparently back. is not happy with his contract. So <laughs> I would be interested. Um yeah, I I don't got much on the on the preseason game besides, you know, I thought. It I think everyone was just excited for this game because Devonta Smith, you know, finally is on the field. Um yeah. I mean I thought Joe Flacco go ahead. Yeah. No, I was just saying Joe Flacco looked like a mediocre veteran quarterback. He looked like what he has been over the last couple years.
0: Uh I was impressed with a lot but Elijah Holyfield did uh with his four carries. Uh, I thought Kenneth Gainwell showed some uh, quality traits. So obviously, he had uh, three receptions, which we know we knew when drafting him that he had that ability to be uh, a player in the uh, pass game, and he did some decent stuff on the ground. We saw uh, Miles get his first carries. He looked fine. Um, yeah, he had a good, that,
1: that one run was really good.
0: Jack Stoll uh, had four receptions as a tight end, and I mean – uh don't look now but the Eagles stepped at tight end kind of out of nowhere Oof. kind of took a hit I know over the last 2 weeks uh
1: Tyree so, Jackson
0: Tyree Jackson's out and uh now uh Kroom left this game I, as well though I haven't seen any update on what Did they is.
1: I I was going to say I don't know if it was an ACL tear I mean it looked like an they, they put him
0: there. on. Suffered a significant right patella tendon injury. He's on the
1: uh, IR. Okay. And they signed. And so uh, is on right?
0: Yeah, Carryon is also on the IR. <laughs> um, but with uh, with putting him uh, on the IR, they actually signed um, a free agent tight end, Carry Angeline, who actually is from uh, the area. Um, he played his college ball at um, South Carolina. And I think he actually ended up no, not on South Carolina at NC state and I'm trying to think if he transferred there uh, from anywhere else. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, no, he played at something. He went to USC first, I think, and then ended up in NC state. Uh, but yeah, he's a local kid. So that's kind of cool. Um, and he, with the death concerns, there's a chance he now ends up, uh, Having a shot, if not to make the team, but maybe the practice squad, and we'll see if he uh, can end up, uh, you know, making an impact uh, on the team later down the road. But yeah, it's always cool to have local kids making an impact. He went; he's from Chester Springs, went to Down in Town East, Uh, so that's cool.
1: Right by me. Yeah, it's right by me. Um, They could also, I think, sign a veteran uh, tight end. You know, one of them. Is going to get cut. Somebody's going to get cut. Yeah. So,
0: exactly.
1: They're going to you know, either, they're... I think, a, another receiver they could as well, too, if they went down. Yeah.
0: So, it was a, I mean, it was a, it was a, a, a crappy week all around for uh, Philadelphia sports,
1: to say the least. Uh, minus Travis Sandheim. Congratulations. Minus Travis Sanheim. congratulations mine Travis. Yes, Travis. <laughs> uh,
0: I don't think there's any news on the Sixers, uh, if I recall. uh, Except Ben Simmons continues to look like Clay Thompson. I was
1: going to say real quick, how do you feel about these videos? But and then and then we can head out. We've seen these
0: videos the last three years. At the end of the day, Ben Simmons has been is is what he is. In the when it's an NBA game, I don't I don't care what you look like against a couple guys in the gym of a planet. He did play John Morant today. Oh well, he played John Morant in a pickup game that has no meaning. At, at the end of the day, when mm. when the game, when it comes down to real games, and speci- specifically when games on the line, Ben Simmons just doesn't have the mentality to be any type of true scoring impact player in the, at the NBA level. Uh, and until he does, his his ceiling is severely limited, which is a shame because even when his his ceiling is severely limited, he's still a top. What twenty-five player in the game, so yeah. I mean, if if he if he just could work out whatever <laughs> mental, yeah, gymnastics he has to do to become a, a more confident scorer at the NBA level, uh, he would turn into a top ten player in the game. But I mean, we we've seen these videos yeah. for three years. Ben Simmons is who he is. I don't care what he looks like in the offseason. season. Uh, make it count in the middle in the middle of the season or down the stretch when it's time for the playoffs. But
1: that's how I feel is like, I get why he's putting these out, you know, and, and part of it is his trainer is putting these out as well. It's more so him. However, no one in Philadelphia, I don't think wants to see him do it in a video, you know, we're like you said, we've been waiting for him to do this in an NBA game. You saw him do it in the summer league his rookie year then he put the video out the following summer everyone got on the train he then didn't do it then once again he puts the video out doesn't like and and unfortunately for him it it, it won't even matter if he does it in the regular season because the next step is well you're not doing it in the postseason you say
0: I say better myself it's Ben Simmons is who he is, and I just I really just don't I. And, and we all know how big of a Ben Simmons guy I was even during the season. And just I, yeah. what what happened in that playoff? Patience against
1: the Hawks is. Broke me. Yeah, patience is slowly but surely diminishing. as in slowly, I mean, we were there until he. Refused to dunk the ball against the Hawks.
0: Yeah, um, it, uh, he, that, that series broke me. That's all I can say. But uh, yeah. any any uh, last uh, quick thoughts before we uh, head out, and we'll we'll catch um, up next week.
1: Yeah, real quick, uh, we did actually create a uh, Instagram page at in the seven hundred level. If you want to go check us out, we are also. On TikTok as well, posting clips, um, and stuff on there at in the seven hundred. We did gain some traction there. Uh, I, I saw a couple uh, hundred people actually did see that post, so uh, I'm glad it got to reach some people. But uh, if you could do us a favor, just you know, follow us on Pod, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Twitter at in the seven hundred. And feel free to interact with us. We love talking with everybody, you know, about anything Philly sports, you know, it'd be greatly really appreciated.
0: Absolutely. And uh, I guess as we wrap this up, the Phillies got their win today. So they did take two out three in the Padres, which is something. But, I mean, I, I this this last stretch don't of games. Don't fall for uh, it. Don't fall yeah, for this, it, don't. This last stretch of games is kind of like that. Uh, that series against the Hawks, it it broke me. And as uh, I tweeted to somebody on Twitter, um, after what the Phillies did this past week or last two weeks, it's going to be seriously hard for anybody in Philadelphia to trust this team again this year or next year, because once again, they've proven that when it matters the most that they're going to disappear and that it's a loser mentality. That's what it is. They don't have a winning mentality that they, they can't, they're mentally weak when it comes to getting past diversity, not diversity, getting past uh, um, adversity. There you go.
1: Yeah, and so. on that
0: note. And, and yeah, with that, that's, an, that's, uh, that's this week's episode. Thanks everybody for listening. we'll be back next week. Thanks for listening to our episode of in the 700 level podcast, uh, and we'll, yeah, like I said, talk to you guys next week. Um, go bird.